We are Power Crystals. Conversations with Jason Perez and Leah Garza. Getting cute. Critical and, and metaphysical. Welcome back to We Are Power Crystals, the cute, critical, metaphysical podcast. My name is Leah Garza, and I'm here with Jason Perez. Hey, everybody. Jason, what are we talking about this week? Today, we're digging into love. His love has dug into us. <laughs> we're gonna, yeah, so we're going to talk about love this week. And we're also going to try and capture the nature of our regular super salty opinions about love in addition to all of the things that we um, want to create around love and like that imaginal space that we talk about when we go into the Akashic Records and we talk about love. Um, but let's just start. Can we start with like a check-in? Yeah. Okay. So Jason. Yes, Leah. <laughs> Have you been having any power crystal moments? And if so, what are they? I, yes, something is happening. A lot of good things are moving for me right now. And my power crystal moment was (laughs) showing up for them. Like Mm. fighting the urge to hide or hibernate or avoid work. Mm. That sounds really vague. Can you be more specific? <laughs> um, it's vague because I cannot be more specific. Oh, okay. <laughs> can I can I share one of your power crystal moments? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you met someone who is a fan of your work. Oh yeah. That's really I important. About that. That's really that's when you describe that moment to me. I don't know. Do you feel comfortable talking about it? Yeah, there. I met them while vending. They are super cute, self-identified as a service top. When I showed up at the event, they're like, "Jason, let me tow your cart for you up this giant hill." <laughs> mm. So they carried all my stuff up, um, and they're like, oh, "I didn't know you were Blue Rose. All my friends are talking about you. Everyone loves it." This is a person I already knew, but they didn't know what I was doing with Blue Rose. Mm. They didn't affiliate with affiliate me with it. Yeah. So that was super cute. Well, yeah, that's a really important. I feel like that's a really important phenomenon when you become an entrepreneur, and you are so full of self doubt in what you're doing. You're so like, just how did I get here? This is the hardest thing. What's going to even happen to me? This is a failure. And then you get that connection with somebody who doesn't, I mean, I know you said this person knows you, but they didn't know that you were doing blue rose. They genuinely Mm -hmm. connected with your products and their friends are connecting with your products. And it just, it is, I don't know. I think that it's like a really important kind of like, threshold to cross where you realize like okay the things that I make are having 
an impact somewhere with someone. I don't know. Totally. Yeah. And that person is cute, critical on the verge of metaphysical. So it's cool. It's like, wow, you're, I, I know you can really see it and feel it. Yes. That, I, the reason I identify that as a power crystal moment is not because of like, oh, you've made it to some kind of, you know, level of acceptance, but that it's like, it's an, it's a, an important confirmation that the things that you were propelled to do, like your soul level propulsion is the way to go. Like you, Mm -hmm. what you decided to do is important. And then that just like reverberates and all the other things that you want to do, it brings about new ideas and it helps you shift your perspective on yourself. I don't know. I think it's really important. Yeah. And to feel like inspired to keep doing it and doing more. Yeah. What was your moment? Um, well, we released a podcast episode recently with our friend Katie Robinson. I want to just give a quick shout out to Katie and say thank you yeah, thank for you, being on this but this podcast. But we've gotten a lot of really incredible feedback. So I guess this is similar to you meeting a fan. But the feedback that I've gotten, just people sending me DMs, and I think somebody sent me, um, or somebody did a review on iTunes, just seeing the way that people are hearing the work that we're putting out there is, it's very validating, but it's the only product we're, we're putting into the world is our opinions and our voices at this moment. That's what the podcast is. So to know that I'm saying what I think and that there are people out there that are moved or in agreement exactly with what I'm saying is it's very validating. And to talk about, you know, we're going into a discussion on love. It is a feeling of love to know that I can send Mm. out into the world, Mm -hmm. you know, amplify my authentic opinion on something and that there are multiple people there that are ready to catch it and say, yes, I'm right there too. I agree with it. You're not weird, (laughs) which is always a little bit of, something that I'm a little blowback. I'm ready to always receive that. I'm too weird. (laughs) Um, so that's been really validating for me and just letting me know that my, one of my superpowers is, is my weirdness is my perspective. Yeah. I want you to meet people who call you weird and say, but I love it or, and I love it. Yeah. But I love it. Exactly. (laughs) Or to just be like let's just dismantle weird altogether because weird means that you're an outlier of some norm mm-hmm. and let's let go of that norm you're you are just valid in and of yourself because there are sometimes some weird fetishists out there that merely want to be close to you because you're weird <laughs> and the, that's a little dehumanizing but yeah so that was my power crystal moment, just reading the DMs, reading the, the, I don't know, reading the um, reviews has just been really special. And this podcast is really special, and I can feel it evolving. It's like when you see those little, the videos of like a, like a, 
a larva in a membrane and then you see it like changing shape and then like oh it's a tadpole (laughs) oh it's a frog we're on our way to becoming a tadpole you guys (laughs) i love how you didn't go for the butterfly metaphor (laughs) oh no because i live in the mud freaking tadpole (laughs) yeah um, oh we're a beetle (laughs) yeah 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 you're a dung beetle exactly Mm. but even dung beetles are important (laughs) yeah yeah so okay dung mm -hmm. beetles they (laughs) their labor is a labor of love making all those little balls of dung dung beetle sounds like some old ass like old white farmer name for a bug it sounds so old-fashioned like a potato bug yeah a potato bug yeah have you seen that yeah wow potato bugs aren't those also roly-polies no they're no terrifying oh what's a potato bug a potato bug is the most terrifying looking thing in the world is it more terrifying than the wolf spider Mm, have you seen those no like the spiders that are like i think that's what it's called the spiders that are the size of like a dinner plate (laughs) that's a kind of beast that that okay that's that's not a bug that's like a person we're (laughs) we gotta take this scarf off it's like scary looking no they're cute Uh, oh no we had a neighbor their yard was full of these and they would always come to our side and it was the scariest because your neighbor was uncool and they wanted to hang out with you guys no the bugs would come yeah i know the bugs wanted to hang out with and you we guys. would kill them and we thought they were poisonous oh they're not poisonous though are they they're just a type of cricket i don't know oh they have little bellies they're chubby mm, unwelcomed they're cute Okay, Jason is fatphobic. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. He's bugphobic. Potato bug phobic. But so am I. I'm potato. I'm bug phobic for sure. Except I came to love spiders because I there was an orb spider that was had made a an, a web in between our neighbor's um, doorway and then the light in that on that hallway out there and. Because it was under the light, I could see it. The light would shine down onto the web, and I could see it making the web. So I could see, like, the little strings coming out of it. I could see all of, like, the geometry. And it was so beautiful, and it made me really, like, understand the intention of the spider that it... Mm. I just fell in love with it. And then I realized, like, oh... Like, everything is intentional. Everything has a purpose. And my ignorance is the thing that made me afraid of them. I'm Mm -hmm. not trying to, like, you know, fear factor myself into, like, a (laughs) tank of, like, you know, brown recluses or anything. But, like, I don't sit in fear of them from afar, at least. Which I think I did before. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's get into this topic. Let's talk about love. Yeah. It's I mean, a spiritual thing that people, it's a metaphysical thing. People come and talk to us all the time about love. They'll say, I mean, I guess I've done it in readings too. What about love? Yeah. What about it? Tell me about love. <laughs> that is such a vague question. Um, 
I think I'm ready to take off my blindfold. Go for it. Just so you know, we were having a hard time. We both have our Akashic Records open, and we were having a hard time getting started on this um, this recording. And so the records recommended that we put blindfolds on to somehow, like, for me it was put the blindfold on and you can kind of quiet out all of the stimulus outside of you and just go in and and really, like, dig into this conversation. But now I feel comfortable and I can take it off. Are you going to keep yours on? Um, I'll take it off because I feel sleepy now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's so soothing. It is. That's what I was saying. I like having my eyes closed just yeah. in general. Wonderful. Yeah. I had this, sorry, before we dig in, I had this like realization because I love meditation so much and I love having my eyes closed. I had this like thought that at some point in my life, I'm going to commit to living with my eyes closed for the rest of my life. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Like, like I will have reached some level of like comfort or something like, like, like how like certain oh, it's like how people take an, a, a, vow of silence. a vow of silence. I would take a vow of eyes closedness um, because it was like my inner world was so much more rich and I understood things so much more with my eyes closed. I was actually sitting in my car and I was like, before I left my parking spot, and I think I even had a blind, like the, one of those sh- uh, reflector things on my windshield that I hadn't taken off yet. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to leave it on. I could drive with this thing on. I could drive with my eyes closed. And then, and then I thought better of it, obviously, but I, I don't know. I can see with my eyes closed. Would you say that you love your inner world? Yes. I live there. I don't like to come <laughs> out. Yeah. How about you? I do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think that's why I'll do a lot of things alone and people have their own judgments of that yeah but i think i'm like it doesn't matter because i'm not even really where i'm at physically like yeah my attention is turned inward yeah and if someone else was there my attention would still not be on them sometimes yeah i like to be with people too but i'm not i like that and i'm not saying i don't have moments of loneliness or phases of loneliness Mm -hmm. but i have a rich inner life, as I say in my intuition development course when we're talking about what it means to be an empath or an Uh, HSP, a highly sensitive person. I have a rich inner life. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. It is cool. (laughs) It is cool. Yeah. So what about love? This is a difficult topic. It's difficult, and at the same time, it's expansive and amazing. The idea of love, connecting with love, feeling love, feeling unloved even, is so expansive. Like, all the things that that can engender and produce, all the thinking, all the thoughts that come to you, just, like, like even in just contemplating unloved, what that is. Or having felt unloved for a lot of my life produces, yeah, it's such a complex topic. How do you recognize feelings of being unloved? Unloved? I don't know how to define it. It's like how you can't really 
identify, astronomers can't identify like certain astral bodies, but they can, they know that they're there because of the way other astral bodies Um, behave in their presence. mm -hmm. So you can observe like a gravitational pull or something. Mm -hmm. So I can't really describe what unloved is, but I know that it feels like shame and I know that it feels, and I feel I think I mentioned this to you. I feel shame like in my mid upper back, like someone's behind me talking about me or that like there's something going on about me that I don't know about. And it's really not kind. And it also feels like being forgotten, Mm. like an empty feeling. Yeah. Those two feelings to me Mm. point to a sense of being unloved. I felt that chronically. Yeah. For a long time. Me too. It just feels like, it feels boring. Okay. Does that make sense? No, tell me. It feels boring. It feels empty. Yeah. It feels like pacing in a circle. Yeah. It feels like being in a room with an empty bookshelf. That's interesting to me that you say boring. Because to me, shame and being forgotten throw me into survival mode. Mm-hmm. And so I don't give a shit about whether I'm bored or entertained or not. You know what I mean? Like, it's such a different orientation. I don't think it's, like, boring not in, like, reference to being entertained, but boring in being, like, I don't know, like, having no purpose. Maybe those are the, all the wrong words. Like, yeah. there's no, no, there's no stimulus. There's no, like, yeah. there's no sensation. It's there's like, numbing. unalive, numb. numbing, mm-hmm. numb. I don't know. It makes me think of... We were talking about SeaWorld. It yeah. makes me think of the the captive orcas. Ugh. Like, they're they're bored in there. And they're not being loved. Yeah. Yes, like uh, an absence of life energy. Yes, yes. Yeah, I get that. And you still have to go through the motions. You still have to go through the motions. I would also identify that as depression. Okay, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, those are like all the, the earmarks of Those are the symptoms. Yeah. yeah. Being unloved is depressing. Yeah. Or maybe, yeah. I don't want to get into what depression is because this is not, we're not here mm. to d- discuss like what is and is not mental health. But when I've been depressed in my life, it has felt like the absence of love piled on with shame and being forgotten and a little sprinkle of oh yeah. a lot of other stuff, <laughs> unworthiness. <laughs> being forgotten is like fucking salt to every emotion. Yeah. It's funny, though, because when I'm not depressed, which I, I feel like I'm not now, being forgotten doesn't even appear on my radar in fact i'm like forget me world i'm fine i got a rich inner life (laughs) right my eyes are closed (laughs) exactly (laughs) forget me lose my number don't call me um because life is so good i don't need i just go inside i'll have a michelada at home and because i make them better than anyone else one in my hands one in my mind exactly (laughs) i'll just have that mental michelada um it's but then Like, I have this distinct memory of being, I think I was 12 years old, and my aunt was getting married, and all of this family that I didn't know came out from 
um, Michigan where my mom is from. And I had met them maybe a few times in my life, like cousins. And I was so excited to have cousins and have like young people mm-hmm. around because I'm the oldest kid yeah. from our side of the family in the West Coast. So I didn't have any people to play with or any I don't have anything and I remember feeling unable to accept love from them and I remember they were all we were all hanging out they were staying at my mom's house and I like got up and took myself to bed and was like all right well I have school tomorrow so bye even though I wanted <laughs> so much to like stay and hang out and I have this memory of like standing in my bedroom with the door cracked open still listening like no one said anything everyone's like oh really okay well good night like no one's gonna object to like my own rules that I set for myself no one and of course they don't know me so they're not gonna like beg me to stay it just was like they were being respectful of like what I said I wanted yeah and I left the room and then I like went to my room and cried and I knew and I was, like, listening to them all hanging out, and they were, like, playing board games and, like, just doing the, you know, the picture-perfect, like, fun kids hangout yeah. thing. And I just felt completely unable to receive that at all. Hmm. And I just thought about this memory, and I know that it's partially constructed because in my memory, I'm looking out into a room of them, like, sitting by a fireplace. <laughs> And for one thing, they came out in the summer, so there was no fire. And for another thing, my room looked out into a hallway. It looks out into a hallway. So I know that, like, there are elements of this memory that I have repurposed and reconstructed into maybe my emotional memory. But yeah, it's... That was a feeling of... I I made myself be forgotten. Mm. It was weird. One little kid moment of being unloved I had was... I think it was a holiday, maybe like Christmas Eve. So there's a bunch of people at our house, at my grandpa's house. And I was tiny, maybe like four or five. And I was holding like a gallon of juice or something, like struggling to hold it. And I went up to multiple people. I'm like, can you open this for me? But no one could hear me because they were, I don't know what they were doing, like Mm -hmm. talking to each other or like, you know, preparing things. Yeah. So I just sat on the floor with a gallon, like, staring in space. (laughs) And I felt so bad. Yeah. And it was, like, it was more than about juice or something. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah. I can hardly imagine baby Jason. In my memory, I was always quiet and always slightly down. Yeah. But then I see a picture of myself and I'm like, look, I'm happy as fuck at my cousin's birthday party. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's really interesting that we're starting this discussion with unloved, but it makes sense. I think that we understand that better. Most people. Like most people understand. Yeah. They can refer to love from a place of the absence of love. Mm-hmm. It's funny though. Okay, so I'm getting way into the notion of like holographic, the 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 concept of the holographic universe mm-hmm. that we 
create all of the knowledge that we have about something based on what we can identify from the surface. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what like, does that mean? Okay, so for example, <laughs> if you're studying space and you want to know about this, like, certain range of space and it's three-dimensional or whatever. Are you talking about outer space? Outer space, yeah, like <sighs> in astronomy. <laughs> you might make assumptions about the entire, that entire chunk of space based on what you know from a specific like surface area of that chunk. Mm -hmm. But that is just a projection that you've made based on what you can observe. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about like love, we're really projecting our emotional states onto something that is never actually absent from us. Mm. So what we, and this is largely informed by my work in the Akashic records. I hate saying that. Like I have special work in the records. This is my work in the records. Every, anyone can do this stuff, but like what the records convey to me is that you're never, we're never separate from love. It's impossible. Yeah. We are made of love and that's not to be all, positive spirituality love and light it's that like it is it's never absent from us so when we talk about feeling unloved it's a hologram that we're really talking about we've projected our understanding just onto the surface and what's on the surface is our emotional state yeah does that make sense mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> through my filter uh-huh if if we were orcas, love would be the water. It's something that you're in and you live in. But if you were not there, you could not live. So how can you say that the water is apart from you? It's a default state. It is the the substance yeah. that's yeah. holding you. Yeah. That makes sense. It's like, how would you... And it, it's the thing that's holding you, but it's also the thing that is not separate from you. Because without it, you could not yeah. survive. It sustains you. Yeah. And there's no... It's almost like another organ. Mm-hmm. Like it's that much a part of you. Mm-hmm. There's no way for an orca to just leave the water and perceive life outside of the water. Mm -hmm. There's no way. It So it's like the default existence for the orca is to be in water. That's like, that is the base in any other existence after that, whether this... Orca gets plucked from the ocean and put into SeaWorld, whether it gets harpooned mm -hmm. and put on a ship, whether it gets beached. It, those are all abnormalities from the default, which is to yeah. be in the water. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm there. That's what love is. It's the default state of, of our existence. It's what we know. And that's why it makes unconditional sounds like, like, oh, how sweet unconditional without conditions no like what i'm learning is that unconditional means it's it, it's eternal and limitless it's just like in every condition it's in every condition mm -hmm. yeah i didn't make that up someone said that to me oh at a church or something oh not a catholic church uh, like... jason steals from the church <laughs> <laughs> 
Not at a Catholic church. At the Church of Satan. <laughs> the Temple of Satan. It was like a New Agey yeah. service. Yeah. And then how do you know? So if our experience is holographic and we only understand things through the projection of our emotions onto something, mm-hmm. how do we then know when love is present? Or how do we feel love? How do you we... become aware of love? Yeah. If it's always there. Yeah. And then the only way it feels like it's not there is if you're not aware of it. Well, let me ask this embarrassing question. Yeah. Do you know what love feels like? Yes. Don't ask me. More, I'm asking myself. (laughs) Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. I think of those people or experiences that have drawn the best parts of myself out who hold space in a way that encourages me to be fully present and like unfiltered mm-hmm. and not in the just be you sense but in yeah. the be like your biggest self yeah like if you could call in all of your energy from all the lifetimes to be here mm-hmm. be that i want to see that yeah and i'll be that too yeah and i say people and places or experiences like your plants exactly i was about to go there i think of whenever i whenever i'm trying to like meditate on love or compassion i do think of the physical earth and i think of plants and herbs and animals and i think of them as they're they have consciousness they are consciousness right but i i do feel like those all the things here are are the earth's children or limbs or cells but they help us so it's like wow that's the height of love and compassion like you donate your your flesh to sustain us Mm. yeah (laughs) sometimes if i really think about it it can really move me to tears then is that not martyrdom no is it not is love then sacrifice how do you how do you separate because i know i feel like i know what you're saying but i feel like it could be an easy mistake to say like then that's just martyrdom Mm, i don't think it's martyred i know that the tone maybe sounds like that when i was saying it was like this feels a little christian or catholic Mm -hmm. um but i think it's about like being generous mm. and giving and wanting to be in that relationship of of exchange mm. because then we in theory give back to the earth yeah so the martyrdom i don't even think it's possible because if the earth is giving and you're not reciprocating then you're just taking it's not a gift anymore it's a yeah, taking it's an extraction yeah. Mm-hmm. So then is love in what, the by how your definition or like your experience is like truly living in relation. Yeah. Ship with other. Exactly. Beings. So me, so being in community rather than only identifying yourself as an individual. Being in community, but being in conscious communion. Yeah. And like, I hate this term, but right relationship, like, 
that's mutually respectful, that's mm. mutually giving, mm -hmm. that's equitable. Yeah. Yeah. And then I feel like the queer part is being able to have relationship with things that are not seemingly sentient. Like like plants. Like yeah. Yeah. Or a location or an idea. Yeah. That's that's really interesting. And that is very that is very um reflective of like the core tenets of like indigenous psychology. Oh really? Like indigenous cosmology. Yeah, like that being an individual or perceiving yourself as an individual is very toxic and mm. it's self-harming and it's hurts to perceive yourself as, as merely an individual Yeah, because you're completely unsupported and you're alone. But when you perceive yourself, when you understand that life exists in relationship to other things, everything is in relationship to each other. Yeah. Then support and reciprocity is a built-in component. Yeah, it's not a... It's work, but it's not a labor. Yeah. Yeah, like there's effort required to mm -hmm. be in relationship. Mm -hmm. But it's not something that depletes you. Which right. is what labor is. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's really cool. Let me ask... How do you know when you're in communication with plants? What happens to you? Like, what what's your person? You? <laughs> what's your personal experience? Like, how do you know a plant is communicating with you? How do you know you're supported mm -hmm. by a plant? So I think it's really popular, as it should be. Like, plant consciousness is making itself very present in a lot of people's lives right now. Mm -hmm. How is how does it come out? How does it show up for you? Yeah, can you say that again? How do you know you're in communication or in relationship with a plant? What is it like for you? For me, there's some specific plants that I have. Those relationships are significant to me. Mm -hmm. So one is uh, a succulent someone gave me, a Cleveland sage that lives in my house, my friend's rosemary bush, and my ruda plant by my door. So those ones, I, I tend to them. Mm -hmm. So I water them, prune them, but also hang out with them in a sense. Mm -hmm. So when I leave, I say goodbye mm -hmm. or I'll greet them or I've like send Reiki to them. Mm -hmm. So that's my, I guess that's my side of the relationship. Mm -hmm. But how to know if you're, what was it, working with them? Like how do you know that Are they talking in... to you? Yeah. Like if they want to be in a relationship with yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like you just have to ask. You ask. I guess like what's your confirmation? Like how do you Oh. Know? Yeah. That's hard to say. Yeah. It might not have words. No. But one experience with my, my Ruda plant, like when I'm under like distress, mm -hmm. it will start to die. Mm-hmm. And when I'm doing really well, it also thrives. Mm. And that's something I've, that's a, something I've seen mm -hmm. a lot since I've owned it. Yeah. It's very responsive to like the conditions of my life. How can you not feel love from that? Exactly. And I didn't really even ask for that. Yeah. 
Have you opened the records to ask about it? No. You should. I bet that plant was probably like your mom in another life or something. Oh my god. I bet. Maybe. Yeah. Look at that plant. Oh. It has two flowers. Oh. Do you remember what you said last time? No. You were like, those never grow flowers. Oh yeah, they don't. And then you were like, they look like hooded clits. <laughs> <laughs> It's a peace lily. And they liked, I mean, I don't know if they liked it when you said that, but since you were here, Mm -hmm. those two flowers have come out, and that was probably like, what, like a month ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really, I I guess, because I don't feel like I have a relationship with plants, other than sometimes this avocado tree looks in my window and just tries to get my attention. I only know that because I felt like someone was putting, like, peeking their head in the window, and I finally got up to go look, like, what, who's there? And um, my record said it's the tree and wants your attention. This avocado tree is almost three stories tall. Wow. It's really old. And it grows inedible avocados. <laughs> That's inedible. not true. The squirrels eat them. Maybe. The squirrels not only eat them, but they throw them at each other. <laughs> it's funny. But, so I know that. But that's only because the records were like, this is what's happening. Yeah, yeah. But this plant, this lily... It, um, I looked at it one day and it was just completely droopy and it made me feel so sad. And I realized it's because I had not watered it for like a week and a half and I watered it. And like, I went out to the grocery store and I came back and just within like that hour or whatever, it perked up completely. Like it went from drooping to like totally alert. And I was like, oh my God, they're really responsive. They're really here. I couldn't Mm -hmm. believe it. Yeah. It's listening. I've just killed so many plants that I thought they're not for me. Not every plant is for everybody. Herbs are not for me. Let's go back to love. Yeah. What about with people? (sighs) (laughs) I don't know. You don't know what it feels like with people? I'm not sure. It's hard to say. Yeah. Because it feels like, okay, one aspect of love is... I'm not gonna say that. Um, say it. It's not my. It's not. Okay, I'll say it, but it's not my idea. It's just an idea that's in my head. So, like, love is acts of service, but that is the language of that book or the author, love languages. Mm. But that's not love. That's, that's the just love something... language that res- that resonates with you, though. Mm, maybe. That's not why I said that. It was okay. just in my head. Um, but I was going to say that that might not necessarily be love, but that's just how you register it. Exactly. That's, how you, like, that's your reading of it. That's your hologram, your holographic um, projection, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not the true nature. That's only what you can see on the surface. Exactly. Because I was like, if someone does something for you, it could just be manipulation and not love. Yes. And, and you're reading it as love. Love is present like, with or without acts of service. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. We're getting somewhere. <laughs> 20 hours in. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With people, it's hard to say because everyone has their own idea of love. Everyone thinks or has their own understanding of how they demonstrate or share love. Mm-hmm. And, like, love isn't always fondness. No. There are people I love, and they annoy me. 
And you don't have to like them. And I'm sure there are people who love me and Can't want to see you. me again. <laughs> 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 yeah. That's fine. I know that. I have that. And I know, I for sure know people that were incompatible in real life in front of each other, but we have a deep love for each other. Yeah. Yeah. And I think of, when I think of the people I love or have love for, it's a feeling of the most pronounced feeling I can say is a feeling of, I want you to win. Yeah. Like, I want you to to win, to be happy, to have, like, yeah. a life that is satisfying for you. Yeah. A life that you want more of support, resources, rest. Yeah. Agreed. To have care, to be able to give care. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. That definitely resonates. What else? (laughs) What do you, how do you know? How do I know when I feel love? Um, Yeah. Well, I think in my life I have been confused between actual love and feeling desire or feeling Mm. desired Mm -hmm. and mistaken that for love. And then because I've mistaken it for love, I've like, uh, done a lot more work than I probably had to. Oh. <laughs> Lust or desire doesn't really require a lot of like care work, I think. Yeah. Um, and I, don't feel like I fully knew what love was until my dad died. And I was, it was about, it was, so he died in September. I had spent almost all of August taking care of him. He died and it just felt like, now what? <laughs> it was like this buildup of like, I put my whole life on hold. I went and took care of him. I was like, yeah. We were feeding him, giving him his medication. I was not working, all that, you know. And then he died, and it just felt like no one told me what happens next. That's it. What? Take your ass to Sonic's for lemonade. Exactly. Like, (laughs) I should say King Taco. Yeah. Like, right by the cemetery. I guess I'll go do my laundry and head home now. Like, it, it was just such a weird anticlimactic thing and the funeral wasn't well there was no funeral the memorial service wasn't for like a month after he died so it was like my stepmother could not get it together yeah um so it was just like a holding pattern and it felt weird and but then this weird thing happened i went back to work and all of these weird things happened where like 
my boss was fired and I became the boss. And then I suddenly had this staff of like 25 people and they were all like, I felt like they were all waiting for me. Like, what do we do now? Mm-hmm. Tell us what to do. What's going on? And I felt like I can barely like get myself dressed every day. I don't even know what, I don't know. <laughs> and I don't know what this is, but a wave of love came into me mm. and I started to feel like I could see everyone's goodness. Mm. Like parents that I had, because I worked in an elementary school, parents that I'd had kind of like a contentious relationship with, I suddenly was just like, that's so you. You argue with me. I love that about you. You know, like, even the things (laughs) that were just like, ugh, became like, ugh, I'm so glad you do that. Like, it was such a weird thing. Like, my roommate that just irritated the hell out of me was like, I love that. You're, you know, I, I love that you love music and you want to play it at two in the morning. That's awesome. Like, just stuff that, it was just such a weird shift. And I couldn't, art- I didn't articulate it. I didn't know how to articulate it except for to say, like, I just felt like I was brimming with love. Okay. I want to say brimming with love, but it also sounds like you had a compassion for people. Yeah. I love that you love music at two in the morning. Yeah. Like, I love that you're angry in the morning. Yeah. So it's like love, loving, but then also a willingness to allow them to do whatever without... Yeah, there was no Placing your own emotion. Yeah, exactly. Putting your own... It was a surrender. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and if... So if love... Well, I later would go on to... And this was also... This is also the moment that sparked, like, my understanding of myself as a soul. My spiritual... Yeah. Awareness. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's all these names for it that people, your kundalini, your spiritual awakening, your, you know. Enlightenment. Enlightenment. I don't know about call myself enlightened, but, <laughs> but like, yeah, like an awareness of. Your journey. Yeah. My pa- my journey, my path. Yeah. My sacred soul. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, my complete and total barfarama of the soul. Um, it it was like what, and I un not unwillingly but unintentionally was just pushed into this, and my relationships with everything and everyone changed, mm. and every interaction that I was having with even just like, you know, the cashier at the store, they were so rich. They were rich interactions. Yeah. Like where I showed up places really deeply happy and then allowed it like the happiness or like, I don't want to say happiness, like the joy, the like love was undeniable. And then it ignited something in the person I was interacting with. And then I just had these Mm. amazing interactions with people. Do you feel like it was, there is an element of, like willingness to be present because I'm, I'm at, I'm at when you're talking about like interacting with people when I worked at a bakery 
at my cashier and I just stand there so stank and stone faced. <laughs> and it was a resistance to being present. Resistance? In, like you were intentionally resistant? Like, I didn't want to be there and I couldn't. You couldn't help but. <laughs> like, there's no way you're going to act happy. Exactly. Yeah. I don't. I honestly felt like. Like, you know, um, I don't know if you ever, like, go swimming, like, in a lake, and they will, like, cordon off a swimming area with, like, these, like, the the plastic balls Mm -hmm. that are floating on the surface of the water, and then a boat will come by and leave a wave in its wake, and then you'll see the balls just kind of, like, float up and down Mm -hmm. on the wake of, of the wave, the wave of the wake. I felt like that surge was just going through my body and going um, through like every part of my existence. Cause it wasn't just my body. It would be like my thoughts. It would be like my emotional state. It was just like, I would just like swell with love and, mm. and I had no intention. I was completely out of control of that experience. I feel like, and I felt like it was, My records are open and they're talking to me. I felt like it was, it was like a parting gift from my dad mm. to be able to deal with the loss. Yeah. But also, it was, I just wrote about this on Instagram. It was a connect, it was like, um, I got to know that that's my power, but I couldn't do that in front of him he had to die Mm. he had to be permanently out of my life Mm -hmm. because my power was a threat to his power because of the trauma he incurred in his life where he couldn't be he had to overpower everything in order for him to feel safe or feel loved or feel you know whatever yeah and so our relationship was one of submission and dominance where i was always had to be submissive in his presence and so it's like when he left, it, 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 I felt like he just like charged me with that. So I could finally yeah. get to be myself. That's beautiful. Thanks. <laughs> Should have kept the blindfold on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like that because it's like love is not specific to one location or one body. No. Like it's transferred and emitted and reaches across space and time. Yes. So. It's dynamic. Love is a time traveler. Love is a time traveler. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Do you, did you ever watch the movie Interstellar? No. In Interstellar, they determine that like love is like the one thing that can travel across space and time. Love is time travel. Yeah. The vehicle of time Because travel. my dad's gone, and I don't... That experience is not gone. The yeah. love that he had for me is not gone. Although I have had massive bouts of anger for him since he's been gone and been like, yeah. you don't even love me. <laughs> like, like, I've definitely gone there, but... Those are, again, those holographic emotional yeah. experiences. So, again, like, tying it to what we were talking about earlier is like... The love was there, but the actions maybe did not match. Absolutely. The love. Yeah. Fuck. 
(laughs) (laughs) I love that and I hate it. I know, because it makes you wrong. It does. Um, And I don't like that. I know. Uh, But also, that's amazing because people know that. There are people who move through our world and they completely get that. And so we're recording this a couple of days after Father's Day. Yeah. Um, so the daddy issues are fresh here. <laughs> yes, they are. Um, my cousin texted me, and I I love him so much. He, uh, he's like, hey, like, uh, what you were saying about your dad, it really, like, got to me. And he was trying to tell me, he's like, you know, your dad was fucked up and, like, didn't do all the things he had to do for you but he loved you and he told me that and he would talk about you with love and it made me so angry (laughs) yeah but uh, today i can i can hear that yeah and i think that we connected the dots in a way to where it kind of like unlocked his message for me right now for you Mm -hmm. Mm. fucking dads they're the worst. <sighs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Dads are the worst. That doesn't take away from them being great, but they're, it's a simultaneous thing. I mean, some dads are only enact hell on mm-hmm. their families. Mm-hmm. But others, like my dad was sometimes great. He was always great, but he was unable to perform greatness all the time. Yeah. He had a lot of... He he struggled, but he came from... Like, he knew how to be a dad based on what his dad was to him, which was incredibly violent. Okay. And also what he didn't want to be from his dad. <laughs> what... I thought we were following the breadcrumb trail, too. To where? (laughs) You know, to where. (laughs) (laughs) To what? To the C word? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Colonialism! (laughs) In the hizzy. If you're doing a drinking game along with We Are Power Crystals, take a shot right now. All the furniture woke up. (laughs) They're all screaming. Pee-wee's here. Conky, uh-huh. what's the word of the day? What's the word of every day? The word of life. <laughs> um, yeah, yes. I had an epiphany. I mean, I've been having epiphanies about my dad. And so, like, going back to... That's why this idea of, like, individualism versus community is so important. That, like... My dad was not an individual. He... I mean, he was. But he... Because we live not communally, we live individually, we don't process things in community, we process things individually. And so my dad just absorbed, without any awareness, all of the toxicity of colonialism, hypermasculinity, patriarchy, white supremacy, capitalism, and then performed that as a parent yeah. to me. But had no awareness that that's what was happening, his... His idea of life was that life is hard. I finally got a diagnosis for complex PTSD and depression, and I have no power over it, and this is what life is going to be. 
would you say that your dad felt unloved? I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know. What about your dad? I don't know either. I thought you were going to be like, I don't care. <laughs> um, <laughs> if I didn't have my records open, I'm sure that emotion would be very accessible. Yeah. Speaking of the records. So, wait. For, mm-hmm. If anyone's just joining us, what are the records? The Akashic Records. The ethereal body recording every thought, word, and action. I think of the Akashic Records as the stem cells of the universe. Like, hmm. the most primal energy that becomes all the other energies. Hmm. And it's so sensitive, so the stem cells can become anything. The Akashic Records, hmm. same. They become our vibration. That's hmm. how it holds the record. I don't 100% understand that. Or even a little percent understand <laughs> What do you that? mean? <laughs> like, what do you mean they become things? Because to me, they don't become anything. Well, the, okay. The Akashic energy oh. is what I mean. The Akashic energy is like the stem cell. It's a very early form of life that becomes different. So the stem cells become the different cells of the body. Eyeballs, tissues, bones, hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like the Akashic energy, so the Akashic energy, like the stem cells, can become something. Hmm. It's impressionable. It's like one of the most early stages of energy. I don't understand that. It's okay. It's okay. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm I hope sorry. So. If you understand that, um, go ahead and rate us five stars. <laughs> Leave a comment letting me know that you understand what I'm saying. And if you don't understand it, also go ahead and rate us five stars. <laughs> And if you only half understand it, just rate us five stars. <laughs> I so like I guess like what I What is your understanding? Are you talking about so in the Akashic Records Perlin to how there's a zone of choice? Mm-hmm. And in the zone of choice it's almost like the astral plane where it there I don't wanna say it's like a lawless place, but it's like anything could happen. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're saying? Like a, a realm of pure potential uh, that anything could become? Not a realm. I'm speaking to the sensitivity of the Akashic energy. Huh. I, don't, I don't feel that when I open the records. But I'm not saying have... I feel that because we're accessing, accessing, for the most part, what has already been imprinted. Yeah. We're not interacting with the... Akashic energy before it's imprinted. Yeah. We're accessing it with the imprint. So in the step after its yeah. most primal form. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're on you're to something that I don't know about. But that doesn't mean... Okay. That is part of my power crystal power. Yeah. <laughs> the Jason zone. The Jason... <laughs> Um, well, I mean, like, there is, there is a sense when I open the records of, we're getting way off the topic, but 
of pure potential. Yeah. Do we explain what the Akashic Records are? Yeah. So the Akashic Records are a (laughs) vibrational archive of your soul from its inception. Mm -hmm. And everything that your soul has experienced, anything that any soul has experienced is in its Akashic Record. So anything with consciousness that has a soul will have a record and all of those experiences are contained there. And it's dimension of consciousness that we access with a prayer through Linda Howe's pathway prayer process. Right. There's a lot of different prayers, but yeah, the most, I don't know, vetted one, one of the most vetted. I don't know. It's the one that I, okay. It's the one that I do. <laughs> it's, I mean, that's, it's the one I know and I haven't really explored other ways yeah. outside of that. Yeah, I like it. I don't have any need to seek other things right now to get to the records. Yeah, and there's a lot of ways to get there. Yeah, there are a lot of other ways, too. So, we want to talk about... Leah's going to read something from Bell Hooks, all about love. Some interpretations of love. Yeah, and And this is a text that a lot of people reference. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't know. So I just want to read this section. It's in the preface on page five of the preface, page X. We can never go back. I know that now. We can, we can go forward. We can find the love our hearts long for, but not until we let go grief. We let go grief about the love we lost long ago when we were little and had no voice to speak the heart's longing. All the years of my life, I thought I was searching for love I found, retrospectively to be years where I was simply trying to recover what had been lost, to return to the first home, to get back the rapture of first love. I was not really ready to love or to be loved in the present. I was still mourning, clinging to the broken heart of girlhood, to broken connections. When that mourning ceased, I was able to love again. I awakened from my trance state and was stunned to find the world I was living in, the world of the present, was no longer a world open to love. And I noticed that all around me I heard testimony that lovelessness had become the order of the day. I feel our nations turning away from love as intensely as I felt love's abandonment in my girlhood. Turning away, we risk moving into a wilderness of spirit so intense we may never find our way home again. I write of love to bear witness both to the danger in this movement and to call for a return to love. Redeemed and restored, love returns us to the promise of everlasting life. When we love, we can let our hearts speak. Mm. So, I <laughs> I read this book, All About Love, New Visions, by Bell Hooks, early in my mm, social justice life. As many do. Mm-hmm. Especially many women of color. We love this book. And um, f- it was after my dad died. It was like when I was coming into my radicalization. And then I, and I started to understand that working toward justice is an act of love. But that was not what I was feeling when I would go into social justice spaces. I was not feeling love. Um, it was a disconnect. It mm-hmm. was like people wanted to invoke this love in theory and people did not want to practice love. And I think that's like why going back to talking about love as a verb, that's an actionable thing 
is really important because especially like the work that I'm doing now, reading and learning about decoloniality. We just read this book on decoloniality by Catherine Walsh and Walter Bignolo. And Catherine Walsh is really adamant that like decoloniality cannot just live in theory. It has to be in praxis. Praxis. We have Mm -hmm. to bring it out. We have to be performing it and enacting it on a regular basis. And I feel the same about love. Mm. Okay. That's critical. Let's get metaphysical. Mm-hmm. Enacting it, embodying it, mm-hmm. channeling it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. I mean, like, brimming with love is a metaphysical thing. There's... Right. My state of being was altered, but nothing in my physical world was different. If I'd gone to a doctor, I don't think I would have gotten any diagnosis diagnosis of any kind but like my physical experience on a day-to-day basis was completely different yes when i was brimming with love i love that thank you (laughs) what does it mean when to say i love that you resonate with it i resonate with it i think it means i hear that i feel that yeah well okay so that's what takes me to let me know if I'm talking too much. I feel like I am. Some would say they love that about you. Okay. <laughs> Not I, but some. No one in this room? <laughs> am I, though? Am I no. Okay. Um, okay. It's what the people paid for. <sighs> All right. You can hit us up on Patreon. Just kidding. Um, so when I became an Akashic Record reader, the records the prayer that we do accesses the heart of the records. Mm -hmm. So we're literally accessing this information from our, the eternity of our soul, but it's grounded in love and compassion in the light of the Akashic field. Mm -hmm. So everything that we turn over and everything that we grapple with in our, in our readings of the records are grounded in love. So the record spoke to me when I first became a reader and they were like, you your job is to talk about love. That's what your directive is mm-hmm. on earth. And I was just so flippant and sarcastic and like, Ugh, I don't, I don't know about love. I'm not, I don't care about love, whatever love. And, um, and I know I said previously I was brimming with it, but that kind of like died down <laughs> after a couple of years. Um, and wow. so, I mean, it died down at pretty soon after, I don't know, whatever, but yeah. So the record's like, no, you know what this is. You have to talk about it. And so what they revealed to me is that love is actually an energy. It's this energetic state. It's the default state. Everything outside of this earth plane is is in the field of love. That in this field of love, that is what drives our souls to create physical lives for us. Yeah. It's an act of love to be propelled into life. Mm. And I'm not attaching that to any kind of pro-choice, pro-life thing whatsoever. Um, but so, so what they told me was that love is actually a state of first empathy and humanization, then humanization Mm. or reversed or simultaneous. But basically love is present when you see in your, see yourself in the other and when you see yourself in the other, you humanize that being, even if it's a plant, even if it's an animal, you humanize them. You see them as an equal in consciousness. Yeah. And when you do that, you can feel what their experience is, which is the empathy part. And that is the experience of love because that 
depending on that gives you the framework for transforming your interactions with others. So I would say that like your experience with your plants is that of empathy mm. and humanization. Yeah. You talk to them like they're people. You uh-huh. respect them like they're people. Yeah. I, while you were speaking, I... Zoned out? I'm sorry. No, I didn't zone out. <laughs> I started... Okay. What is listening? <laughs> I was listening, but not to your words, to the vibration of what you were saying. The essence. Oh. And I started thinking of, like, Chicana artists who, the ones who use that language, mm. from, like, the 80s or 90s, um, and the way they interact with history, and how they, I don't know, have empathy for, for the women who came before them, and, like, mm. redraw them in strength. Does that relate to anything you said? Can you think of anyone in particular, like, to point to? I can see them. I want to say, I think her name, I'm pretty sure, Judy Baca? Is it Judy? She, like, does, um, there's, like, a really famous piece of a mirror, and it has two panels. And one is, like, a pachuca girl, lady. Um, or maybe it's Judith Baca. Sorry, I didn't do any research today. Judy Baca. Mm-hmm. Is that even related to what you're saying? How could it not be? Also, your <laughs> records are open, so you're going to get a lot of other stuff Seriously. coming through. I know. I don't know if she did that piece, though. Like, her work, like, their work was to show reverence for ancestors? reverence I feel like her work is reverent but to like bring them into the now to like see to see yourself in between them in this this work of art oh, yeah. does it say the name right there um, is to like position yourself like to plot yourself Las in this space Marias. Yeah, to plot yourself in a space and time and like to to conjure the best parts of them or like one of those people looks very defiant, one looks very relaxed. There's one with somebody. Yeah. Let's link to this in our show notes. Yeah. I'm sorry, I've lost all of my... How you connected back to love? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so like... Like, to make this work is an act of love. Mm. Like, she's she's helping us to see these people who are invisible mm. now. And to bring them, to conjure them, to invoke them. Mm-hmm. To give them space. Yeah. To, like, lend her voice. Yeah. Like, prop them up. Prop them up. It feels like it's more metaphysical than that. To create a portal to commune with them. Oh, like almost like a seance or something. No. 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 (laughs) (laughs) To me, to see this work is to see like 
this is a metaphysical tool. Mm. This is her work is a technology. This mm-hmm. is a portal. It's a bridge. Mm-hmm. And it's like the love is insane. Like you were so important. Mm-hmm. And we're so important. Yeah. So this is kind of like that conscious communion. This is a communion yeah. to stand before that work. Mm. Have and you ever see, seen it in real life? I have. Where is it? I don't know. Oh. It was Where did a, you see it? I saw it at the Hammer. It was part of an exhibit. Oh. I remember the exhibit. But I had seen it in like text and like papers yeah. written about it. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that makes me think also of like the work of Laura Aguilar. Oh, yeah. And like, just the like the images of like the naked bodies and like and there's a a photographer now on Instagram named Shuglet. Oh, the underwater photos. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're gorgeous. And this person like celebrates and photographs fat bodies in nature, like naked fat bodies and. They're like, and so like, I remember the first time I saw Laura Aguilar, mm-hmm. it, it was like the famous one of like, I think it's a woman like with her back it, and she's naked and she looks like a boulder and she's among boulders. Yeah. It's like one of her most famous images. And I was, I could feel myself being seen through space and time in mm-hmm. that image and that felt like love yeah like feeling like this body is like worth photographing in this way that is against all popular notions of beauty and it is beautiful and that is why it's being photographed and it's looking at you as you're looking at it and it sees you as you see it yes there's a, a multi-way gaze. Yes. Yeah. And it's funny because I think you don't even see the person's face. Mm-hmm. But the image is looking at you. The image is looking at you. And then it's also like, it's a, it's, it's, I feel like it's pointing towards like, you deserve to be here. You are yeah. so much like the earth. Yes. And it's like, you, this is your home. Yeah. You are this home. And that you deserve to be photographed, which is mm-hmm. like, we reserve photographs and like putting someone on film for like. I let. There's something people. defiant about. What was that photographer's name? Shu. Shuglet. <laughs> there's something about their work that is defiant and like pokes fun at weight because you have these fat bodies in water floating they're weightless yeah i don't think it's poking fun at weight i think it's poking fun at not the, not poking fun at weight but like the perception the, yeah of it's fatness. like like these fat bodies in water now they're weightless yeah. they're still fat Le- yeah but it's like like uh the social yeah. interpretation mm-hmm. of that is of like what fatness is is totally deflated in those images. Exactly. And there's nothing but weightless and lightness and beauty mm-hmm. and like yeah. 
and grace of motion. It's so they're so graceful. Oh, they're so gorgeous. I love it. I love it so much. And I feel like it's like challenging the idea of like a fantasy and mermaid. Yeah. Because like mermaids are everywhere. Mermaids and unicorns. Yeah. How many artists, gay artists, are out there drawing like daddy mermaids? Yeah. Boy aerials. And they're all like skinny. They're buff. Western European. Western European. standards, yeah. And then to see, it's like, oh, that's what mermaids probably really look like. Yeah. Like, that, is, that body mermaids. is mm-hmm. organic to that, to that water. Like, that body belongs in that yeah, realm. Yeah, that body is an expression of that water's beauty. Yeah. And vice versa. Mm. Yes, yeah, so then is love to be seen? Is, is love being seen? Which I think goes back to what you were saying in the very beginning. It, it's all of these things. It's yeah. all of them come, coming together. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you for hanging in there. Let's talk about some metaphysical or everyday things you can do relating to love. To feel love. To feel to love. Life. To become aware of love. Yeah. Take it away, Leah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Just kidding. No, I can start. Um, so some of the things that people come in and they ask us for in the shop or in our practices, they'll say, tell me about love. I want, or, or I need a candle I, for I need love. I need a crystal for love. <laughs> um, and crystals and candles are great and they can help you. My favorite crystal ever is rose quartz. And I know that this is the conventional crystal for love but I don't care because she's powerful um rose quartz for me helps with that love that justice of love that high heart righteous love the compassionate love self love the softening of the walls of your heart so that you Mm. can allow in these thoughts of love that you thought you were exempt from um I meditate with rose quartz. I use, I make an elixir with rose quartz called tender heart. Um, you can make your own elixirs with rose quartz. It's one of the crystals. It's silica base and can go into water and it won't leach into any toxins into the water. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also put rose quartz near your drinking water and then drink that water. Not the same elixir, but like you can charge your drinking water with rose quartz. You can, it in your bath you can sleep mm. with it next to your mm-hmm. bed you can speak to your rose quartz and ask it to help you feel these things wear it around your heart wear it around your belly for grounded love mm. that's one of the things that i recommend yeah. but rose quartz will never uncover for you the work that you must do yourself <laughs> it it's an aid yes it's not, yes 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 it's not it's not here to do it for you. Yeah. And I don't think it would want to anyway. That's not what it wants. It, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I can't confirm this. I do this in my movie that she talks to crystals, but like, it's, it's, it's not a hand holder, but it will like walk next to you. Mm. Companion towards yeah. love. Yeah. I want to talk about, okay, today I was thinking about this oil I make called Touch the Skin. The affirmation that goes with that is called 
I allow my inner beauty to saturate my outer world. And I was working with it and I was like, I made this, but I don't even think I understand that. So I started thinking of, well, what is beauty? And where I got to or where I'm going with it is that when I say inner beauty, it's referencing your love of love, Mm -hmm. your love for those things that, like a rose, is just beautiful for no reason just because it's being but then you could say that about like this funky how light like (laughs) it's being beautiful because it's it's sharing and sharing is love Mm -hmm. so i would say to meditate on beauty how what are the ways that you are beautiful you can start physical or whatever but i want to direct you towards like what are the words you speak that carry beauty? What are the thoughts you think that carry beauty? Mm-hmm. What are the actions that can be described as beautiful? Mm-hmm. And I think beauty is, I don't know, a symptom of love, mm-hmm. a marker, an indication. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that's why we, when we talk about self-care and doing self-care, we often are attracted to beauty products like face mask or like bath bombs because beauty is so next to love. Yeah. I completely agree. Sometimes I will go down this rabbit hole where I'm like this logic that I'll create in my head that like unravels before me. And then the, the like conclusion of this proof is the only thing that matters is beauty. And then I have to be like, wait, what? No. Mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense like when I think about that concept by itself it doesn't feel like it has anything to do with the way I live my life but I'll start this like thought spiral of like what is love and the conclusion always is the only thing that matters is beauty yeah and what is beauty I imagine sometimes I'll imagine myself or maybe I'm just having like a outer body experience I'm at the ocean I'm you know offering my flowers or fruits or potions and to in that moment to see myself outside I would call that this is a beautiful act Mm -hmm. because there's there's no like I'm not asking for anything there's no demand there's just a desire and a willingness and a doing of being yeah yeah a nurturing yeah beauty because it feels good it's like induces an altered state Mm -hmm. like you are able to remember that tenderness or that feeling yeah or you get to be tender you get to be graceful yeah and it's hard sometimes to conceive of beauty outside of because standards yeah even for objects or art or you know Mm -hmm. whatever um yeah i wanted to just throw one more thing in yeah I know that this is like a two-hour-long podcast at this That's point. That's okay. But, um, so in the Akashic Records, they share with us the Akashic definition of perfection, that we are all perfect, and that perfect means that we don't need to change or modify ourselves in <laughs> order to be loved unconditionally and unconditionally accepted. This definition is different from the human definition, and the human definition is to be without flaws. 
and the Akashic Records have told me so many times, like, the whole reason you come into this life as a human is to specifically experience your flaws, your perceived flaws. Mm. Because the flaws are the places in which you are seeking growth and expansion. Yeah. So that is an act of perfection that you even propelled yourself into this being that will experience the pain of having flaws in the human realm, in the society, so that you can expand the consciousness of your soul and the consciousness of all that is. Mm. That is an act of love. And that we are all perfect. Just to remember that, that like there's nothing we have to do to change to be loved unconditionally. Right. There's nothing you can do to be more loved. Yeah. Or no. anything you can do to be less nothing, loved. Nothing. Yeah. Hmm. It sounds like if y'all want to meditate on this further, we talk about love being a state of being, but then also well, we say loved. Yeah. Something that you're receiving yeah. or doing. And it's like consciousness. And I don't think that it's one or the other. No, I not think at love all. It's so dynamic. It can it's be both all of those it. things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so huge. Yeah. And we didn't even scratch the surface of it. And we didn't even mention like romantic love. Not at all. Which I have a lot to say about that. We didn't really talk about self-love. We didn't really talk about self-love. We didn't talk about sexual relationships and how they relate to love. We didn't. Nope. It's such a big topic. Yeah. That's why every song is about it. I know. All right. Yeah, we really did it today. <laughs> if you want to connect with us, you can hit us up on Instagram at We Are Power Crystals. If you want to connect with me, you can also find me on Instagram at Crystals of Altamira or at crystalsofaltamira.com. Jason, where can people find you? Come find me at Blue Rose Botanics on IG and also bluerosebotanics.com and check out my queer love oil. It smells so good. Also, if you're going to be in Los Angeles on June 29th, you can come and meet us in person at a pop-up in the Arts District at Lupetti. Mm-hmm. If you go to mostlyangelsla.com you can find all the information but it's going to be a very chill day kicking off the summer with music and readers and makers they got pizza there they have pizza we're gonna have a little drink there's gonna be a a group akashic reading there's a group cleansing i'm doing that a sound bath Uh uh-huh it's just gonna be a lot of fun so if you are in la come out come say hi June 29th, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. We would love to meet you in person. Yes. All right. Have fun loving. We'll see you next time. (laughs) Bye. Bye.